is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 71, everyone, operating on April 5th, 2021. This is Drew, and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Doug. We're two av geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. What's up, Doug? Hey, Drew. Uh, we shared our personal stories about our struggles during the pandemic and how we survived through the crisis. I would say that was met with pretty positive feedback, right? We, we got a lot a lot of listeners that reached out to us and, and really appreciated what we said. And we know that our listeners, especially those of you in the aviation industry, have been hit really hard. And we asked you to come on the show and share some of your stories. And Doug, uh, today we have one of our listeners, John, who responded. He's a college student and flight instructor in Arizona, and he's going to share his story with us. Welcome, John. Hey, how's it going, guys? John, we're really excited to have you on. Welcome. So let's let's just start out and take a moment. Tell us and the listeners a little bit about you. And we're going to save your COVID-19 story. But where are you from? What do you do? Where are you okay. at? So I am John DeBraham. I am a flight instructor at um, a school down in Arizona and Phoenix specifically. And I'm originally from uh, Doug's neck of the woods of Minneapolis. All right. Uh, yeah. Eden Prairie, if you know where that is. Southwest oh, yeah. Metro. Oh, yeah. Yep. So uh, I started up at uh, school at UND and went up there for my first year. And then I moved down to Phoenix after that because I was like, this is even colder than Minnesota, and um, they had their school down in Arizona, so I actually transferred down there, and I finished up. I'm a CFI, and I also can teach uh, instrument stuff too. So that's what I'm. That's where I'm at. That's that's awesome. I didn't realize UND actually had a, a school down in Phoenix. I didn't either. I actually know mm -hmm. it's crazy because I didn't know that. I went down to Phoenix to look at ATP uh, flight school, mm -hmm. and. I literally, it was kind of almost, it was really weird. Actually, I go and I show up to the airport. ATP is right next to UND's flight school. I mean, like right one flight school is here. Another one is right across the street. And I look and I'm going to tour ATP. And all of a sudden I see University of North Dakota flight school. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> That's crazy. Like I go to school <laughs> up in Grand Forks, right? So, you know, it really just uh, so happened to be perfect fit. And, um, yeah, I finished up very quickly. It, I, all my friends up there now, about a year and a half behind where I'm at. Hmm. And we can kind of get into my COVID story and how important that was. You know, everyone says to get into an airline as quick as possible. You got to get into a flight school as quick as possible, too, mm -hmm. and just yeah. uh, get a job starting out. Yeah. Have you heard of that um, school that United was starting? Um, you no, know, I was looking at it. Um, I think they're starting backup operations. They okay. bought it. It's I think they're operating out of Scottsdale or okay. Deer Valley, and that's in like the northwest portion. It seems yeah. really awesome, though. Yeah, they they run the Aviate program out of there too. Aviate. Well, yeah. th this is a a great representation of the Phoenix area because, like mm -hmm. I said, I didn't know UND had operations there. I know there's a lot of flight training. Phoenix is a, a mecca, would you say, right, John, for flight training? Yeah. I think it's probably one, if not the busiest city for flight training in the country and one of the busiest ones in the entire world. Yeah. Wow. And I would say that on a daily yeah. basis, the operations are crazy busy. Which which yeah. is really good, for, especially probably for your students from an airspace oh, perspective, for sure. learning yeah, how to fly sure. there. Yeah. And you also have, you also have two airline hubs there. <laughs> exactly. There so. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of airline hubs, Drew, how was your week? 
Um, my week was fine, Doug. It's the same. People are going to get tired of hearing. <laughs> it, it, yeah, except for de-icing de is done and, and we're moving into the, the nicer times yeah. of the year. No thunderstorms. So everyone brace yourselves for the, you know, ad nauseum thunderstorm stories <laughs> from me. But no thunderstorm, just full flights, gate check bags, you know, um, holding flights for connections, all that good, you know, good problems to have. Right, John? Because yeah, no, exactly. cool. yeah, but more importantly... <laughs> Robbie, my partner, went to Costco and he said, hey, do you want some Mexican street tacos? Oh, boy. <laughs> I knew this was coming up. I knew it was coming up. So, again, he's going to a big box grocery store to get tacos. How is that a Mexican street taco? It's like they're flour tortillas and loose chicken. How is that automatically a Mexican street taco? It's just, were making it. it's just a type of taco. It has nothing to do with where it came from. I'm going to take those to Juarez, Mexico and ask if it's, yeah, ask and if take it's it on the taco. street and be like, <laughs> can you certify this? <laughs> and one more thing for you guys. So when you think of airline snacks, what comes to mind? Uh, maybe it's a brown, like cookie kind of thing. <laughs> oh my God. Those are fighting. Like oh the, yeah. Oh, I yeah. was going to say he's a smart man by not mentioning the brand. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh is that what you were doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So is that the classic airline snack for you two? It, ha it has to be, right? I think it's become that. Yeah, it, yeah. it used to be peanuts until airlines oh, stopped. You. Well, airlines stopped doing peanuts for the most part. Yeah. Right. So, John, you probably have no knowledge of this, but back in the old days, the classic airline snack that you would get with your drink is honey roast peanuts. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the only reason I'm bringing this up is along with the Mexican street tacos, flour tortillas and loose chicken is what it is. I got, <laughs> he brought and cabbage. Honey roast. Don't, don't forget cabbage. Okay. Yeah. Shredded cabbage. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. He also brought honey roast, a big old thing of uh, honey roast peanuts. Mm -hmm. So when I eat that, I'm, I don't, th I think airplane. Yeah. Like you probably think, you know, Biscoff, you think you're on an airplane. Mm -hmm. All right. How was your week? <laughs> it was good. The sim got done. I, I was at home. My boss was out there finishing it up. And I, I know we've talked the last several weeks about what's going on and I'm actually going to be out there next week. So I'll be able to see it and certify the the final couple things but Good. i i can't get into the details drew uh, and i know mm -hmm. we're going to talk about it a little bit on one of the i know one of the newest things but i had some amazing news this week on the airline front and yeah. hopefully in the next couple of weeks i can i can talk more about it it's so that's exciting. awesome yeah that's awesome. i i've got a couple of leads actually and one that came way out of left field that i was not Wow. That I did not expect for months. Wow. Yep. You can Things tell on Doug's face. <laughs> Things are happening a lot quicker than I expected. And I was very optimistic. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we can get into it in a little bit, but I'm I'm really excited. I keep up with everything every day. So, you know, it's it's really great news coming out of everything right now. All right. Well, John, before we get started with your COVID-19 story, we have to confirm your AvGeek status as we do for every guest. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rite of passage. We, ha we have to do it. What's your favorite aviation moment? That moment when you knew that this was the career for you? I was with my friends actually. And, you know, I was an AvGeek before when I was a teenager. But uh, Doug, have you ever been to the plane spotting area by the FedEx and UPS area in Minneapolis, St. Paul? I have. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome there. Yeah, it's awesome, right? So there's a whole section where they made, you know, it's actually really well done. And me and my friends were out there and I took them out there and it was a crosswind day, right? So um, winds were coming out of, I think, the south and it was like 25 to 30 knot, no, maybe like 15 to 20 knot crosswind. So it was quite a bit, right? And I'm seeing this 757 
come in to land Delta 757 completely crabbed, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I, I was talking with my friends about, you know, it'd be cool to do flying and stuff like that, but I never really committed, right, all the way and, like, actually did flight training. So I saw this 757 come into land and I was just like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> like that moment right there. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that is so awesome. That's great. And because it was coming in so crabbed and then it just happened. And I was just like, you know what? That is such a cool career field to go into. And that seems like such a fun and challenging job um, that combines not only technology, but also adventure and travel, which I mm-hmm. love. And Doug, I bet you could probably attest to that too. A lot of pilots love those kind of aspects about it. So that's kind of my moment. I mean, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but... No, you know, it's not. It's great. It well, truly it- was like I committed after that, went to college in April, in uh, September or August that year, and it was April that year. So I didn't know what I was going to do with my future yet at that point. Hmm. And thank God that happened because I I love where I am right now. So mm-hmm. Well, and I, yeah. bet this, I bet the 757 will forever be that sweetheart right. to you right because that yep. like, that is that that moment that you can look back on kind of we, yeah. we all have those we all have those that we look back on and, and we know it's like that's where it started for us and yeah. 757 i bet every time you see one you think back to mm-hmm. seeing either watch it yeah. well yeah. now now that you said that I, I just had a memory of one of my experiences like that and this was when i was a kid my dad used to take me to sfo to watch the planes take off yeah and it, they were really close. Doug, there's, this parking spot doesn't exist anymore, but oh, right. Right, by, right by 101, runway one right, you could park right up there to the fence. Oh, mm-hmm. And I remember being a kid and watching a DC-10 turn to take off on that runway, power up, mm-hmm. and it was just so amazing. Like, it had so much power, and it was so loud. And, you know, the tailplane on it, yeah, like that would shake. There yeah. was so much power when it took off. And to see that huge thing just start moving so quickly, I'm like, yeah, there's nothing cooler than this. They, they, didn't, have the, <laughs> they didn't have the blast fence up then? No, I don't wow. remember that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. No, this was the 70s. They didn't care about it. Yeah, because now when you take <laughs> off on, on the ones, there's the giant <clears throat> sloped blast fence right behind it. Yeah, you can't get that view at San Francisco anymore. I know this is John's story, but do you have a quick moment like that watching planes that you can for me? Yeah. Uh, No, to be honest, there is not one single moment that stands out because my entire, my entire childhood, anytime there was an airplane, I I was there. I I wanted to do it. Uh, I I can tell one, I guess. uh, So I played soccer growing up. I was a goalie and there was a seaplane. So we lived in the upper peninsula of Michigan there was a seaplane that came in once or twice a day going up to one of the national parks up in Lake Superior. I let a couple goals in that day because the seaplane was flying over. And instead of watching the ball, <laughs> I stood there and I watched the airplane fly over. <laughs> and that's when I realized, you know, aviation is going to be my calling, not yeah, not athletics, not soccer. Not athletics. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. John, let's get to your story. So, you know, we're in a positive phase now, thankfully, for yeah. all three of us. But all, we all went through a lot. And, you know, you heard our episode where we were kind of, we got very real and cool. we, you know, we shared some things. Tell us how you survived COVID. Uh, so this last year, I'll kind of preface, I got hired on with the company I work for now a month before COVID started. And it was pretty crazy. Everything was super normal. And I remember my boss, when I first was hired, they came in and they were just like, oh, yeah, I do, because we have Asian uh, students, a lot from mm-hmm. China. So we felt the effects of it 
before right. anyone else in America really knew what was going on. Hmm. And we got, we stopped getting students in February. Hmm. So right when I got hired, maybe two weeks later, we stopped getting our new students every month. After that, they were like, yeah, there's like this new flu coming out of China. And I was just like, haha, hmm. yeah, no worries, right? No one really knew what was gonna happen. And all of a sudden, you know, March comes around and my girlfriend's in Cancun or at, in Mexico with her friends. And I'm at home watching the news and, you know, just the whole world kind of turned on itself. And uh, our work initially did not get too affected for the first couple of weeks. And then with the Asian carriers, since they were across the world, they shut down operations because they didn't really have a good grasp of what was happening in America. We have about 70% of our students are Asian. Oh, wow. Yeah. So at our, our, at our location are mostly contract students. So it was really interesting because we had to be kind of there for our students too, because their family was across the world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you have, if you could put yourself in their shoes, it would be incredibly difficult to be across the world and this happening and, Mm -hmm. you know, not really understanding what's happening with your family. So um, just being with them, that was nice. And then just the last year, it's been very spotty and it's been uncertainty has been the topic of my life for the last year. I'm sure for you guys too. Yep. Same. And I think the thing is I've just really the last couple of weeks tried to embrace the uncertainty Mm -hmm. with, and I was telling this to Drew before on the phone that when we in aviation, it feels like you kind of have a path and you kind of know where the career is going to take you at certain points. You have milestones, right? To get to a regional airline, then you can go to a major airline and kind of upgrade to captain. You kind of have a time frame for all this. Mm-hmm. And um, when that, when you kind of plan your life accordingly for the next five, seven years, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, this happens. That's very difficult, and it feels. I almost felt like it was owed to me because I put so much work in. Everyone else had it before me. But the thing is, is like aviation doesn't owe you anything. And and the thing Mm -hmm. is, is like you have to embrace embrace the uncertainty because there's so many more beautiful things in life than just getting a seniority number at an airline. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing is like you can't, sorry for being so preachy, but this is the way I feel. That's true. um, like you, you can't look at life that way because if you do, then you're going to miss up all the great experiences you'll have. So just waiting for that take or that waiting for that call from an airline. So, anyways, yeah, that's the the year's been very interesting, but uncertainty. Like we'll have operations shut down for two to three weeks at a time. You have to figure out what you're going to do. You're going to do Uber Eats. How are you going to get by? We are just finishing up our last students for that for that last ship or the last class load. We're expecting to get more students here in probably by November, hopefully the latest, I would assume. And again, all these different airlines are starting to, you know, hire and we can talk about it later, but everything's moving quicker than people expect. So I assume we're waiting on the embassies right now. The the, the airlines are ready to send their students. They're really happy. They're excited to send them. But yeah. it's the embassies signing the visas. That's what we're waiting for right now. Yeah. Well, I, I, I bet and because I'm not in the airlines yet, Drew yeah. has been. He's been through the ups and downs. We've yeah. talked about it the last year. I have a feeling that you going forward in your aviation career, having been through this as yeah. as early on in your career, is going to set you up to have that positive 
mental attitude going, sure. going forward. Mm -hmm. Because think about, you know, 9-11 hit and a lot of the captains and, and pilots who were, who were like, oh, they had gone through decades of growth. You, you know, there was some downturn in the 80s and, and whatnot. But then after 9-11, then you have the financial crisis, but then you have like 12 years, 13 yeah. years of just total growth. Pilots who were hired into it, who joined the aviation field during that time, didn't have those ups and downs like yeah. like you've had at the start of your career. And so I think yeah. that this is going to end up and I'm, again, like you said, I'm not trying to be preachy here, but I, I think that this is the, the new generation of pilots in your generation who are growing up through this, yeah. I think are going to be a lot stronger to mm -hmm. any other downturns in the future. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, would you agree with that no, from, from what you've seen? So I, September 11th was horrible. So that's when I got laid off and I had just started working for a major airline. It was my dream job. And then to have it pulled away, you know, have the, have the rug pulled yeah. out from under me. But then I got a job with the FAA two weeks yeah. later. Plus I got wow. my severance. And then when the airline that I was with called me back, the FAA offered me more to stay with them. I don't know if that was the right decision to go back. I'm sure it was because that airlines was, were in my blood. Yeah. So I came back. So Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And when that happened, I got a reality check. Hey, I'm going to have to have an emergency fund. Yeah. I'm going to have to plan. And here I am. So if something did happen, I would have been fine for two years. You know, I wouldn't have had to freak out because I learned, you know, to be prepared for these. And you guys, I mean, you guys are both much younger than me. The airlines go through cycles. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Every seven or 10 years, expect a downturn. It could be the economy, it could be a pandemic, it could be a terrorist attack, yeah. you never know. All this stuff helps us plan better. I gotta ask you, so the Asian airlines, you know, I wanna say they were recovering faster. The Asian economies have recovered, but the Asian airlines have not, right? Yeah, so really what's happening is, I know I was talking with them, the majority of their travel came back. I think, I can't remember exactly when it did and when it kind of slumped back down, but it was back to like 90 to 100% of their domestic travel. Right, in China. And then all of a sudden, it kind of slumped back down. So I'm not totally sure on um, where the recovery is for them right now. But I do know that the airlines, that they have like over 200 pilots sitting on the ground just waiting for the visas, right? So mm -hmm. oh, wow. okay. again, it's just a matter of uncertainty of when we're going to get those students. So it's really nice being over the hump of you know the pandemic having the end in sight, like yeah, a legitimate yeah. end in sight, seeing things starting to pick up. So it's now just a matter of time. And I so, can I can do that. So you you kept your job through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the thing is, is that airlines and also flight schools are going to be in a very tough position in a, six months from now, because everyone, when the students do come back, they need to be staffing correctly. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the, the, the pipeline, you have to keep the pipeline flowing. Yeah, yep. because if you don't, there's going to be experience gap, there's going to be all of that. So I did keep it, it didn't keep I'm an hourly employee employee. So really, the only thing I don't have insurance, I'm still under my parents. So mm -hmm. um, it doesn't make any sense to really f fire someone when you can keep someone who is trained and already knows their procedures and all of that stuff. So right. that was the one saving grace throughout the whole thing. And my company is great. I, I really enjoy working for them. It's a big family, it feels like sometimes because it's a smaller operation. No, they're great. So I mean, everyone's very encouraging. So they're all really excited. I mean, nowadays, they, they got about 1500 to 2700 hours. Everyone in all my, my CFI guys that I hang out with, they are well over their minimums for ATP. Mm -hmm. So oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I was saying to Drew before is like, 
once the hiring starts, they're, they're ready. They, they're yeah, ready. They're ready. Yeah. But the experience gap for new, it's going to be people with wet CFIs coming in and the majority <laughs> of schools are going to be run by those guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from an air or from a flight school perspective, they really got to worry about that and figure out what they're going to do because it's going to come sooner than people think. John, thanks for that. One one question that I do have, though, you just mentioned the experience gap that you feel like your your company is going to have. Let's start from the bottom, right? So let's start from your company. You're saying if all the CFIs get hired by the regionals and they all leave, that's your experience mm-hmm. leaving. Let's move one step up. The regionals, the reason why you would get hired yeah. is because those pilots are getting hired by the frontiers, the spirits, mm-hmm. et cetera. Right. So then those airlines are going to have that gap, that experience gap. All the way up. And, and why are those people getting hired by Frontier, Spirit, Allegiant? Because those pilots are getting hired by Delta, American, mm-hmm. United, Southwest. So it, it's, it starts at the bottom, but those vacancies are available because people move up. I think that aviation is going to have a large experience gap for the next decade. Yep, I, I would Decade agree. plus. I, Andrew, I, I don't know from from your perspective if if you feel that way too. Oh yeah, I feel that way too. You know, we talk a lot about pilots in terms of hiring. We talk about pilots, but that's okay because that's a good gauge for everything else. Mm-hmm. So if we're hiring sure. more pilots, I'm also hiring more zone supervisors in my department. Mm-hmm. We're also hiring more flight attendants, more people for the corporate offices. Right. So it's all around. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people have, a lot of good people, unfortunately, have left. They've taken the packages and stuff. So there's a lot of brain drain. So mm-hmm. that's going to yeah. open up a lot of positions for people that have new ideas, you know, that can move us to the next, you know, next phase of what our company will be. Yeah. yeah. But I, I want to mention something. So it, the three of us have been very fortunate, right? We kept our jobs during COVID and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But some of us haven't. And I, you know, I have a few friends that have left the yeah. company, but I'm having drinks with one of them tomorrow. And he just got the letter or the email saying that he's coming back. Oh, that's wow. awesome. Yeah, that, so, that's a sign. Well, I'm that's sure a sign. And know. the other thing I want to say is even though he left, he was fine. He found something else. So it wasn't all gloom and doom. You know, mm-hmm. he's still very positive. And so, yeah, it's turning around and people have managed to get through the crisis just like we have. So anyway, thanks for sharing that, John. It's important for all of us to yeah, know no that. We, yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. It's, it's important for the listeners to know that they're not alone in the struggle. And talking about it helps us get through the turbulence. For and sure. Speaking of turbulence... What's going on in the sky? <laughs> well, I I don't know if this article will have will have <laughs> kind of cheesy segue, but I couldn't. Remember. You're good. That was great. It was great. <laughs> well, guys, this this article. I don't know if this airplane is actually going to feel turbulence. And this this is from CNN. It says supersonic airliner could fly LA to Tokyo in under three hours. I know uh, most of the fighters that I refuel, they don't really feel turbulence the way that that we do, really? just because of how they're how they're built. Yeah, I mean wow. they they do a little bit, but. Some of these airplanes that are built for super supersonic speeds don't experience it the same wait, way. Wait, is it because how they're built or because they're flying at a higher altitude? No, nah, oh, uh, I mean the, alti- the altitude, yes, but mainly it's the aerodynamics of it and the speed at which at which they're flying. They punch through it faster. It's kind of like why a Cessna gets bumped around a lot more than if I fly mm-hmm. at the lower altitudes. Sure. I don't feel it the same way the same way that they do. Anyways, the bullets on this, it's a Florida-based plane maker called Arion, and they announced on Monday that their AS-3 airliner will be able to carry 50 passengers 7,000 miles at Mach, get this, Mach 4. It's this so is crazy. Four That's times mind-blowing. Four times the speed of sound. The Concorde flew at what, 2.3, Two. 2, 2.0, something mm-hmm. like that. So this is going to carry 50 passengers 
uh, farther range than the Concorde at twice the speed. The AS3 is the second plane to be revealed, with the first being the AS2, which would be a business jet carrying 8 to 12 passengers at Mach 1.4. Production is supposed to start in 2023, and it'll enter service in 2026. Arion is building a massive headquarters in Orlando, Florida. The plane will be the first supersonic airliner since the Concorde, which retired 17 years ago, mainly because of high costs and the environmental impact. The partners for the AS2 would be GE, which is producing hmm. its Affinity supersonic engine, and Spirit Aerosystems, which is making the fuselage. We've talked about Spirit, Drew, with the They make Max. the 737 they, Yep, they, they make yeah. the 737 fuselage. The AS2 would meet Stage 5 airplane noise standards, the most stringent, and have a sonic boomless cruise, which is huge because the Concorde, oh. the Concorde couldn't fly supersonic Transcom. over land. Yeah. What, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Well, for one, I think it's a really big step up where, yes, we hear about supersonic flight for the last 10 years. They have partnered with GE. They have Spirit. Yeah. And also in the article, it says Honeywell is doing their avionics. Mm -hmm. Right. So these it's are, for real. Yeah, these are for real companies. Like These are the ones industry standard. So I think this looks pretty serious. They're opening up a whole new uh, headquarters in, in Florida. So it has a chance. Yeah. So... I, I was wondering, is this really real? So I looked into yeah. this because is, is this some penny stock, you know, that no, people no. will rush into and there's nothing behind it? You know, someone's working in like a closet like Doug trying to, you know. <laughs> don't, don't, don't rag on my Abbey started... closet. I looked into it. So the founder is Robert Bass, who's a Texas okay. billionaire. Wow. So there's your money, right? And there's only two partners. It's him. And guess who the second partner is? Richard Branson. <laughs> no. No. It is aviation related. I have no idea. Ooh. It's Boeing. Oh, <laughs> oh. okay. So wow. these, they're just going to play along and then eventually <laughs> buy them. Yeah. Buy them or use the technology like for the seven. Yeah. Seven yeah, eleven seven. Or I mean, I don't even know what you know, what it would be, but you know, hopefully he's successful because, um, you know, it, it's so risky starting an airline and now he's trying to build a supersonic airplane. Mm -hmm. So ho <laughs> hopefully it's not like the airlines. Cause the, the saying is, I don't know if you guys heard, how do you make, how do you make a million dollars in the airlines? Start a billionaire and start <laughs> yeah. an airline. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll can, I, can I, can I piggyback on something you just said? Can I circle back to something you just said? <laughs> you, so you said this circle back or are you actually going to circle back I, right right now okay you you said if boeing buys it they would make it the 7117 or, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. they, whatever they call it that brings up a, a really great question and this is a big tangent we might have mm -hmm. to have an episode on this <laughs> the middle of the market airplane is ultimately going to be the 797 right mm -hmm. yeah yep. so what's going to come after that here's what i think yeah i think it's going to be the 808 and then the 818, because if you oh, think about good. it, the 787-8, because 8 is a lucky number in Asia. So I could see yeah, them just going up to the next hundreds, calling yeah. it the, the 808, the 818, 828. That would be cool. It's just the next iteration. And it's a, think about it. It's a new century. So yep. all, all of the sevens, except for mm -hmm. the 787, were in the 1900s. Now we're in yeah. the 2000s. And so it's, go, it's, yeah. the, it's the next iteration of that. That's my thought. I don't know. We could talk about it later. Lis <laughs> listeners, let us know what you think. No, that that Asian connection is is good because um, there's a certain airline, a U.S. airline that flies a lot of Trans-Pacific, and all the flights to Asia start with the number eight. Mm -hmm. And that was oh, on really? purpose. Yeah. Wow. For, for the, the lucky, yeah, the lucky eights. Lucky eight. And I think the Beijing flight was 888. So how, how mm -hmm. much luckier could you be 
than that. Okay, there you go. All right, let's go to the next story. Oh, but no, wait, I have one more final thought on that that I yeah. want to ask you guys. Okay, say all three of us, we already flew the AS3, right? And we were good. We understood it. Cool. Three hours. Awesome. So that newness has gone away. Okay, now you have a chance. You have plenty of time. You can go LA to Tokyo on the AS3 in three hours. Probably going to be a Concorde style seat, right? It's probably going to be small. Or you could fly an ANA 777 in first class in a live flat seat. You get two or three meals of really good night's rest. Probably watch two movies, have excellent service. What do you choose? The AS3, hands down. <laughs> yeah. Even if you've already. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. No, I take the slow, the slow one every day. You know what? I've never been. I've never had the privilege of doing business or first on um, oh, like inter- international. I think I would have to do it uh, the uh, the triple seven simply to just be like I'm going to experience all of this, mm-hmm. you know, and just I think that'd be a lot of fun. But I feel yeah, I feel like with the supersonic flight, it would just go by too quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you'd be in cruise for what an hour or maybe two hours, maybe two. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm one of these people that's uh, changing the world and I got to get to Tokyo to sign some sure. treaty, then yeah, the AS three. But I'm not. I got plenty of time, <laughs> you know, and I can get a day off. I got plenty of vacation time. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's get to serious stuff again. This week, we continue to see positive airline trends, as we spoke about. This was shocking to Doug and me and probably a lot of people. United announced that they will start hiring pilots next month, bringing on 300. That's amazing. Wow. So soon. So United also said that they're going to be cash positive by the end of March. We haven't seen the numbers come out, and Doug, I'm sure, will share that when they do. So hopefully that come, came true or at least came close to breaking even. We didn't think this would happen until summer. That was from CNBC. NBC News says, American says spring bookings are at 90% of pre-pandemic levels and expects to have most of their fleet back in service soon. Another awesome. We didn't think this would happen until summer. Yeah. And even summer, we thought it would only be 75%. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, uh, last Sunday marked 18 days of 1 million plus passenger screenings. This is the longest prolonged travel rebound during the pandemic. This is still only 30, 37% of 2019 totals. And that 37%, you guys, I don't know if that's accurate because where I work, we've been running much higher load factors. No, it's, and It's in the 50s. It's 50, it's, 50 to 60% of 2019. Well, you and I took a trip on three mm-hmm. different airlines and almost all of them were 100%. Full. Yeah, it's it's 50 to 60% of 2019 levels. And I don't know if you saw what Scott Kirby from United said this week. He said that leisure travel is at over 100% of pre, pre-pandemic. Sure. Yeah, all that's left to come back now is the business travel, if you look at the numbers. And like you guys said before, I think... I think the business travel, people are going to get out. They're going to go and travel again. I don't think that's going to be an issue. People are very short-minded. And same with me. I'm short-minded with thinking. They're like, oh, people are not going to go travel for business again. Once their competitor goes out and shakes you mm-hmm. know, that person's hand and they get burned on that, they're sending those guys right back out. I guarantee you on that. So you just yeah. got to be patient. I'm, I'm so excited for everything to come back. So again, all positive news. It's incredible uh, to see almost 100% fleet utilization. Mm-hmm. I fly next to Pinal Airport, which is one of the graveyards and also one of the places where they keep all the airplanes for the last year. Mm-hmm. And I take students on cross countries there. And I think Envoy or Mesa or some other regional has just pulled their uh, Embraer jets out of storage. And so when I went out there last time, I was like, wow, they just pulled 10 planes out of storage. So I'm yeah. like, 
again, all great news. So it's, it's really awesome to see. I wish I could say more. I, I can just tell you from where, from where I sit this week, things are looking very positive on, yeah, on yeah. the airline front and sorry to be cryptic. I, I hopefully I'll get into more here in the next couple of weeks, but we want to talk to John. So let's, let's move on away from the, <laughs> away from the news topics. We want to hear some stories from him. It's really great to see things improving. And during this pandemic, all the listeners know that Drew and I have been calling the 787 our hero because of its smaller size, its great efficiency. It's a perfect replacement for the larger wide bodies that had too much capacity. There's another small wide body unsung hero that we haven't really talked much about, Drew, and it's working overtime these days. That's the A330. AvGeek Twitter <laughs> blew up on March 30th, calling it A330, <laughs> A330 day. day. I don't remember seeing that any other year. I, I feel like that's a new thing this year. Maybe it's not. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, Airbus didn't know about it either because in their posting, they said, uh, apparently some of it's, our fans are. <laughs> yeah. So so we're, we're going to talk about the A330 today, this, this new unsung hero. Drew's got some stats. How does it compare to the 7-8, Drew? Yeah. Well, before we get into that, so... Doug always sends me some uh, uh, little images of planes he sees with the flight explorer, right? Flying over Sacramento. As if I don't see enough planes at my regular work, I guess he's sending me pictures of planes that are 10 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, you send me pictures or the, um, the flight radar, shots. Yeah. the shots, and there are 787s and we're like, yay, it's our hero. But then you, I've also seen A330 200s coming over the Pacific that you mm -hmm. sent me, right? Mm -hmm. A330s. Let's talk about the A330, the Sunsung Hero. Let's really dive into the details and see how does it compare with the 787-9, which gets all the glitz and glamour, right? As far as size, the A3, we're, now we're going to talk about the A330-900 because that's the modern version. So let's compare the newest versions, right? So the A330-900neo, 208 feet long. The 787-9 is 206, so a little bit longer. The capacity, I had to do a lot of research. It took 10 minutes of research. <laughs> no, yeah. And it was a busy week. So <laughs> the capacity is 250 to 300 on both. Exactly the same. Oh, wow. This shocked me, you guys. So the 787-9 is known for its range, like the San Francisco yeah. to Singapore, 15, 16 hours. It has a 7,500 nautical mile range. The A330-900neo, 7,200. Close. That's not that far off. That's not mm. that far. So when I fly from Colombo to London, it was 10 hours and I'm sitting on that plane. It's like, wow, this is a stretch for an A330. So this one, you know, can keep going. Mm -hmm. Now here's where Boeing is uh, usually the leader. So as far as speed, mm -hmm. the A330 Mach 0.82, the Boeing uh, 787 Mach 0.85. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get to Singapore wherever about half an hour earlier. Yeah, you know, but the, the real del delineator is this next one. Yes, so this is important because we're all about passenger experience. So the cabin width of the 787-9 uh, is 18 feet. The A330neo is 17, 17 feet, 3 inches. Just a tad narrower, less than a foot, right? But as far as seating, the 787 has 333. That's nine across, a bunch of middle seats, right? 333. The A330 has 242. So we'll talk about that in just a second, how we feel about that. The seat width on the 787 is only 17 inches, the same as the 737. On the A330, it's 18 inches. That inch makes a huge difference. And one thing I didn't have on here is the price. Listen to this difference in price. So the 787-9 is selling for 135 to 145 million. The A330-900, 115 million. Mm -hmm. Wow. A lot less. Does Delta have A330-900s because you're the Delta They expert? do. Mm-hmm. 
They already have them. Yeah, yeah. I six or eight, and they have another twenty some on order. I want to say, yeah, they're they're mainly flying them from Seattle to the Pacific. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on the two? And uh, well, tell, John, John, wait to tell us your. Do you want to tell us about your trip first, or well, let's talk about the stats first. Anything yeah, let's talk about stats? stats. I think it's really interesting. Uh, I've never been on a seven eight seven, so I can't compare it to that. Mm. The A330 is a pretty awesome airplane, and I did not know it's 300 miles off of the range. That's Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's really not far. Uh, on a two-engine. Yeah, two-engine, right? Cabin width, like you said, that is a very important stat, Like, especially when you get into the tens of hours of flying in uh, deme- or uh, what's it called, a on the end of the plane or at the back of the plane. Like mm-hmm. That last inch really makes a difference for uh, passenger experience. So. Mm-hmm. And also, I would say the seating, I personally think the 242 is better because I'm with my girlfriend <laughs> yep. and we have a little bit more privacy mm-hmm. and we don't have that third person. And we can, especially on a longer flight, you you want to be able to just do your own thing and not have to worry about someone else. But again, not that big of a difference. It's small, small things. I've never had a bad experience on either airplane, yeah. mm-hmm. but I, I can tell you that 242 is perfect like, yeah. like john said yeah. if you're with a spouse or significant other somebody you take the two i'm a family mm-hmm. of i'm a family of four now there you go we take yeah. the four we take the four in the center we're, we're flying somewhere here in two weeks on a 737 i'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out how we make a three three work for a family of four you right know, you yeah. can't really you know you really whereas wow. on a uh an a330 you take those four center seats yeah it's not a window or you could take two and two Right, we could take there you two, go. two right next to mm-hmm. each other. Yeah, so definitely for seating, I think we all agree that A330 has a better configuration because usually you're flying with your girlfriend or a significant other, yeah. so that's cool to not have a stranger between you, right? But I will say the seven. You haven't been on a seven eight seven, John. I want to so badly. I want. I gotta to say, so, so with all this, I haven't flown the nine hundred. I've flown a regular A330, yeah. which is really cool. Nothing beats the seven eight seven as far as the interior. Mm-hmm. It's so modern. The windows so look the windows. Really the windows are yes. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the yeah, A330 the windows are tiny. Yeah. Right. So you you, I, you know when you're comparing windows, they're they're very very small. Well, John, let me give you an example. So Doug and I were in the middle section on a seven eight seven dash ten. Right. We were in the middle section. We both got excellent shots of the landing through the other windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you really are um, engaged in that flying experience on the 787 as far as visual. And it's very futuristic. Like it has that Star Trek feel to mm-hmm. it when you walk in. Like the Even the cockpit. Really Even the cockpit is, yeah. is very futuristic. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, but now I, um, you, neither of you have been on an A350. Different airlines have that configured differently on Qatar Airways. That's more, that's more Starship Enterprise even really? than the 787. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, is that yeah. which one is in your guys' opinion? I've never been on a 350 or a 787. Is mm-hmm. there much of a difference? Like just like an A320 versus 737, like majority of the same stuff, right? But in t- from a passenger experience, right? A350 or 78, is there much difference there or just depending yeah. on airline? I mean, I want to say yes, but no. The tail cam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, oh, yes. The, the A350 has a tail cam. So for ab geeks, that's a huge selling point. That's so even if cool. you're in a middle seat, you can really be, you can see what everything that's going on. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, if Bo- Boeing, if you're listening, put slap a cheap tail cam from Best Buy on there. It doesn't cost <laughs> that much. <laughs> you know, it, it will just, some, it'll bring you more, more business. Honestly. I think it would, honestly. 
Yeah. Because I, AvGeek or otherwise, when yeah. the plane's taking off in Singapore, wherever these planes with a tail cam, everyone is glued to that tail cam. I don't want to say yeah. everyone, but you, I look around to see what people are watching. They're watching the tail cam for the takeoff. Mm, sure. And I'm probably the only AvGeek. <laughs> so it's <laughs> yeah. not just me. Well, I'm I'm on an A330 tomorrow. And John, you were just on one. What What was your experience? When I went, so Delta just got rid of their middle seat to in the last couple of days, right? So uh, May, May 1st. May 1st. They, yeah, May they 1st, announced, yeah, May 1st. Yeah. Okay. So when I went, it is it was the peak spring break time for Minnesota, at least. Mm-hmm. So it was the end of March and they filled, it was sold out. Business class was sold out too. Hmm. So everything was sold out, which was crazy to see that on a domestic route from Phoenix to Minneapolis. Yeah. Now- I think the only reason they can sell out that is again, Minneapolis is a hub, but also for Delta, but also um, everyone is going on spring break for Minneapolis right now. And they love either Fort Myers or Florida area, or they mm-hmm. go to Phoenix too. Mm-hmm. Those are really the two hotspots. So they've been running a 330 300s there the entire month of March, I believe that's like almost all they're running for their entire daily shifts. But it was a great experience. Um, I think also when you get onto a wide body airplane, the crew is a little bit more senior. Good point. Yeah, I think so because everyone was a little bit older. I'm not too sure though, because I don't think, I don't know from a flight from a FA side of things, like if you can bid for a 330 slot and or if it's lot or if it's more senior or not. Everyone was very nice. Everyone was very excited to go on vacation. Or the way there, not so much. Everyone was yeah on the on the other way home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So um, you could definitely tell who was from Minnesota and who was from Phoenix too. By the way, they were dressing too. I'm <laughs> um, just getting back to Minnesota. It's like mm. 40 degrees out, right? Everyone's Where were you sitting? Uh, I was sitting. So this is actually really funny. My girlfriend's like, "Where do you want to sit?" And yeah, I, I looked up on I can't remember the website, right? Seekuru, Seekuru, and I said, "You know what?" It's such a big wing. I would rather not sing right, sit right over the wing. Yeah. We did right below or right behind the wing. Mm. Smart. So it was like 30, 31 or something like that. It was great. It was perfect. And then also the, you know, the snack box was good. Surface was honest. I talked about it with my girlfriend. I asked her what, what were some points that you liked? And she said it was clean mm-hmm. and the surface was good. The one thing she did not like, and I would agree with her, the only it's, you know, on the website, it, it, says and advertises that it has uh, the seat plug-in, right? So you can plug in your phone and all that. Mm-hmm. They only have the USB plug-in for basic economy in the like, what's it called? The IFE. The IFE. Like, yeah. And it didn't work for her. Uh, it was, mm-hmm. wasn't working. So that's the only negative she would say. And I, I agree that, you know, on American, all those other domestic ones, they'll have it below and it will be the full international yeah. prong. Mm-hmm. So that was a little frustrating, but again, no big deal. Um, but it was a great time. And, you know, when coming back, last thing I'll say is since I'm a pilot, I always like to go on for flight and brief <laughs> route. Yeah. Brief the route, look at air meds and all the different weather. Right. And it was gusting to 40 knots um, when we were taking off and it hmm. was low level wind shear was reported mm-hmm. along with that. So, I just said to my girlfriend, I said, just brace yourself. It might be a little bumpy getting out of here. <laughs> and she was like the whole time getting on the flight. She's like, what do you mean by that? And all that. So uh, that was funny. And then um, the wings were actually shaking when we were sitting down before we took off, like just boarding the wing. It was so windy. You can feel and it. 
the A330 is such a big airplane too mm-hmm. that it was shaking. The whole wings were up and down. So mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have said anything to her because of, you know, <laughs> saying that along with the wings shaking. Yeah, and the wings. She was a little freaked out. But... <laughs> no, it's Sorry, a great she, she was with a pilot. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I well, said, be- don't worry. Yeah. I said, don't worry, babe. If anything goes wrong, I'll go up there. So, be- be- yeah. <laughs> Before we move on, um, you, you were talking about flying from Mini to Phoenix on a, a yeah. wide body. I don't know if you know this too, Drew. Northwest was a launch customer for the 747-400 back yes, in the late yeah, 80s. Yeah. Do you know where the, where they launched the where the first route was, where the proving routes were? Uh, was it Minneapolis to LA? No, Mini to Phoenix. Seattle. Oh, that's Phoenix, crazy. Really. Mini to Phoenix. Yeah, huh. they Northwest was a launch customer for the 747-400. We love it, right? It's on our it's on our logo for the podcast. Yeah, we love the logo, 400. Yeah. yeah, the the first flights were Mini to Phoenix on the 400. That's incredible. I'm going back to your text, Doug, because you sent me, you know, Doug's always getting these grand Puba medallion gold chain, <laughs> yeah, whatever, you. you know, he's always getting these like free upgrade stuff. So yeah. he's in first class, of course. And you're learning because uh, you chose a seat further back so you can mm-hmm. catch some of that cabin drama. Yeah. And then he sends me a picture. He circles that someone is sitting. At the <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about this. And I'm trying to go back. But I mean, we were totally bashing that person. What yeah. were some of your comments like? But the, what were you so you af- after the upgrade, at a wall for hours? After the upgrade window, all the single seats by the windows were taken by people who knew what they were doing, and there was one <laughs> person sitting in the middle two. So it's uh-huh. one two one in Delta One. There was one person who was way in row one against the bulkhead, and no, like all actually, there were window seats open still at this point. And I texted Drew yeah. and I was like, what is this person thinking? Did Do they realize that they can switch their seats or do they like hearing the galley noise during the entire flight? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or, do or, they looking, or, or do they like seeing people go in and out of the lab because it's right across from that seat? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, that used to be Doug, right? That used to be you that, sitting in never, that wall. Never in the, that center seat. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there's a difference, but I digress. Okay, anything else on the A330 or have we talked that, have we beat that? That's it. Unsung hero. (laughs) The A330 is a great airplane that's underappreciated in the U.S. with only Delta being the U.S. uh, major operating it. In Asia, however, this aircraft is a mainstay between larger Asian cities, and I've flown them a lot between within Asia. John, you may be training future Asian A330 pilots in your current job. Tell us what it's like training them to fly versus good old homeboys like Doug and me. (laughs) So I think the biggest thing that I learned when I first started was they, for the majority of them, they never have driven a car. They've never driven any automobile. They've never driven a car? Yeah. Because again, they're from either a lot of Asian places. So this is their first time ever operating motor vehicle. Wow. A lot of them. Like I would say about 60 to 70%. Hmm. It's crazy because their situational awareness right is not because usually uh, someone from america has driven a car and they know they have to be situationally aware on the road and they can't be texting and driving or else they're going to get hit or you know they're going to crash when you take someone into an airplane like that a lot of them they just need to learn how, how like how to basically how to taxi even right so when when we uh taxi I'm really, really big on clear left, straight, right, going this way. And I make them say that because then from my point of view, I know where their head is at. Mm -hmm. And also it just keeps us safe both ways. Having two people doing it is even better. Honestly, for traffic here in Phoenix compared to Minneapolis, very different. Uh, Mm -hmm. People drive very quick here. Uh, Clear left, straight, right, 
everyone that I drive with, I say that in driving too, it saved me from many accidents from there too. So with the students, they're English too, they come over with English, um, they have to from ICAO, I think it is, mm-hmm. who yeah. uh, regulates that. They they know how to speak English, they know how to understand it, but there's a lot of words that you would say in English slang that they wouldn't understand. When you teach very complex things, right? You need to be able to break it down in very simple words and simple ways to understand, right? So how do we take maybe a steep turn, for example? Well, when we first talk about, are we gonna talk about the way the forces work on an airplane and really in depth? No, I'm just gonna explain this is very simply how we do this maneuver and this is why we do this maneuver. Then we can build from there. And also tracking and understanding this is something after the last year of working there, understanding um, when someone comprehends what you're saying and not, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times, whether it's domestic or whether it's um, a contract student from a different country, they will just nod their head and be like, yep, uh uh-huh, yep, I understand. But from my point of view, I need them to understand what they're they're saying or what I'm saying in order for us to actually go execute um, whatever maneuvers we're doing. Because John, when we were talking, you were saying not only are you teaching them how to fly, you're teaching them how to speak English. Yeah, Um, for the most part, again, they should come here with English, but they need to they need to practice English on a daily basis. And this is where sometimes they need to go home and speak English because they're with all their friends from their same country. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, this is their professional job, right? So a lot of students, right, they go and work in 95 or do anything else. And in America, they are sent here from their airline already employed, getting paid to be here. They need to be able to work on English when they're here as well, because it quite literally it, it's make or break for them, right? Mm-hmm. So they need to know English 100% because it is, uh, English is aviation's, you know, language. Language, yeah. I stress that to them. I try to give them different exercises they can do at home. I say, please speak English when you're at home because it will make you such a better pilot because when you're with Phoenix Approach and we're picking up an IFR clearance down to Tucson or something and they're rattling it off because the airspace is getting busy around the middle of the day mm-hmm. or at night, you, we don't have time to take 20 seconds on the mic. You need to be able to comprehend and execute on that. So again, it's teaching them the easy way uh, or teaching them easy ways to understand complex issues. That's really what my my job is for the English language. And also, I really enjoy hearing um, them progress in not only flying, but also English and be able to have them loosen up with me. I'm a pretty talkative guy, so I try to teach them different slang terms as well. And by slang, I mean, what's a good example? Maybe like shooting approach. Yeah, yeah, shoot an approach. As what opposed do you mean to fly, fly an approach. Yeah, exactly. The simple things that you wouldn't even think about, they mm-hmm. they get hung up on. They're like, "What do you mean by shoot an approach?" Like, mm-hmm. so those are the things that you have to be kind of conscious of, and it's actually probably made me really good at explaining pretty simple things. <laughs> and I explain, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyways. this will help you when you have kids too. Probably exactly. Right? Well, that, but I'm I'm sure that teaching international students and having to think about that makes you a much better instructor for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Be- because, Check like you said, that that way you're not just talking slang, you're not just spewing out a bunch of things. You're actually having to slow down and think about what it is that you're teaching yep. and, and what you're saying. And, well, and you also know to check for understanding. You don't yeah, just tell it's them really important because you could be going for an hour and a half. And if you don't ask them questions periodically, any student, um, but especially people that English is not their first language, 
you know, aviation is so technical and check rides are so technical. So if they do not fully understand something, how are they supposed to go into a check ride and be able to execute on that? So mm-hmm. again, it's really important. And it's something that I feel really lucky to have kind of learned that skill because it's not hard anymore. Yeah. You were saying, um, you know, the different cultures there, you were telling me a story about how, uh, I can't remember exactly what you said, but they learned that you like drinking Coke or something. Oh, so they right. brought you Coke. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyways, um, they when it during the pandemic and whatever, if it was in the morning, like a 6am flight, a lot of my students would bring me either a Red Bull or a monster. Mm-hmm. If it was in the middle of the day, you know, Powerade or whatever. So like, they're very courteous in that way. But also, you know, they're very attentive too, because I'd be like, oh yeah, I've, I've gained a couple pounds because of the <laughs> pandemic, right? And I was like, you know, can you please give me a Coke Zero if you're going to give it to me? <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't even say, can you please give it to me? They literally, I just said, yeah, I'm trying to lose some weight. So they, the next day he said, sir, I know you're trying to be on a diet Coke. <laughs> so that's, Coke the, that's, that's the Asian way of saying you're fat. I think. <laughs> no, they're just trying to be nice. Yeah. Nice. yeah. yeah. Well, you know, well, now, do they well, follow I, direction like better yeah. than an American student? Oh, if I give them something to study the the next day, they are fully prepared Hmm. because this is, again, this is their full-time job. Yeah. The only reason they're in America is to learn how to become a pilot. And again, their academic, like it's very rigorous over there and they're expected to not have any mistakes because the company is paying Hmm. more money if they make more mistakes. So Mm -hmm. they're, they're very, very attentive and also that's why another thing is like, I'm very good at project management of saying, this is the things that you need to get done in order to be satisfactorily, or you're going to pass the check, right? If you can nail these things, then you're going to pass. But as an instructor that again, that's my job, figure out where your weak zones are. And if you can do your job, it's so refreshing as an instructor, if they can actually go home and study, because a lot of people, again, they get busy with outside life. And if they come unprepared, it makes things so much more difficult to teach correctly because you should, you're expected to have that knowledge somewhat memorized before you show up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny that you said, John, that they go home and they speak their home language with yeah. their friends. I see that in aviation around the world. Yeah. The, the last place I think I was that where I heard it was in Spain, the Spanish, like the Iberia pilots and the controllers were speaking Spanish to each mm. other. Yeah. And then finally someone spoke up and they said, everyone on frequency speak English. It was a, probably a supervisor of some sort. And then you heard them start to speak English again, Mm. even though English is the IKO standard, Mm. it's easy to, to slide back into what's comfortable. Yeah. And, and so by telling them to do that, like that's, that's really important. Um, what, one question that I have though, a lot of our listeners might be considering getting into aviation, especially now as we're starting to talk about airlines hiring again, economy is picking up. How would someone go about doing that, right? You, you talked about you you saw an airplane, you saw the Delta 757 landing and you said, I want to do that. And you went to school and now a couple of years later, you're, you're a CFI teaching. How does someone get into that? It's crazy that you asked that too, because, you know, I told Drew this before, I want to start a podcast. I'm halfway done with my first episode of how exactly that question, how do you start? Because at, when I first started, it's a lot of information and most people will get so lost in the sauce of just like not being able to figure out what's the first step. The first step mm-hmm. is go on to Google, type in airports around me, right? Mm-hmm. And then type in flights or flight schools around me, call them up and say, Hey, can I go on a discovery flight? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the first step. See if you like flying, right? Mm-hmm. 
because a lot of people I've taught a couple students that started out maybe only one, but their heart wasn't totally in it. And that's mm-hmm. because if it's very rigorous, but if you love flying, you're going to love that rigor and that challenge too in the beginning. Once mm-hmm. you get the actual fun, found, fundamental flying skills, it's it's very easy. It's not that hard. But to go back to the question, first get that discovery flight. Then really what you need to do is be able to come up with some kind of money. What I would recommend is I've seen it done both ways. Have your private pilot finance before you get into it. The reason why is because if you don't, and the private pilot is the first, it's like your driver's license for the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically just, you can go and you know rent a small plane and then you can go up and fly uh, in visual flight conditions. If you don't finance and you kind of pay as you go, you can do it, but you just have to have that consistency of actually having that money come back because a lot of times people will pay for 10 lessons and then they'll just stop for a month. And again, mm-hmm. when you first start out flying, your proficiency, which is meaning how good you are at doing something, it fades very quickly in the beginning. So in order for people to get it done and get that tick or that private pilot done, I would recommend doing all of it consistently and also have it financed that way too. That's really one of my biggest things as well. And also if you wanted to just do, you know, flying on the weekends, you have to go get a medical, which is going to be either you can go first, second, third class. Basically, first class is for airliner guys flying for Delta, American, whoever. And then third class is less stringent. If you're going to go fly on the weekends, just get a third class. It's less expensive, a little bit easier to get. But It lasts last longer too. It lasts longer yeah. too, a lot mm-hmm. longer. But if you want to go do this as a career, 100% go out and get a first class medical just to make sure you spend you know almost six figures of money or you know fifty thousand dollars of training that you actually can go fly at at an airline one day Mm -hmm. um that's my biggest piece of advice as well is there someone somewhere that people can reach out to you if if our listeners have questions questions where where because i I mean you're the expert on this and i'm sure listeners will have questions so how do they get in touch with you to to ask you some of these things so go to my instagram jada bray i'll spell that out j's and julia d's and uh Delta, E is an Echo, B is in Bravo, R is in Romeo, E is an Echo, Y is in Yankee. There you go. Great phonetic. Also, we'll, yeah, we'll phonetic in, uh, alphabet. I like that. You know what? I almost stumbled <laughs> up on Delta. I was like, oh my gosh, if I mess this up, I'm going to be crucified. John, we'll put that on. Uh, if, if For those of you that are listening, we'll put that in the show notes too, so you can find John. Yeah. And then also, I hopefully, you know, you guys gave me inspiration, but the next couple of weeks, I really do want to start a podcast about how do you get started? Because I think there's so many people about about start or getting ready to start. So I think it'd be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I would, the suggestion I would give you is, um, you know, we've been doing this every week, Doug. I don't think we missed a week. No, we not one. <laughs> not one week, right? Because you've been listening, but you need a buddy to help you help motivate you I, sometimes. So yeah. if you can find someone that's excited, excited about a podcast like you are, exactly, that'll help. But I want before we before we finish, I want you to tell us. So you know, first of all, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and this has been a Thank great you. episode. I, I don't even feel. I sometimes I feel like we're just talking, and we're not even doing the podcast because it's, it's yeah. so much fun it's talking just to you. It's just a chat. Yeah, it's just a chat. But when we were talking, we talked last week just for a minute, and when we we're talking, I had to keep telling John, "Stop, stop," because this, yeah, you know, right? this is like podcast gold. All the stuff we're talking about, right? We, we keep saying that it's your show. So we just want you to know it's an honor for us to have one of our listeners on the show and yeah. so that you can share your opinions and stuff. When we talked 
um, this week to go over the show outline, you mentioned something that was very touching to me and makes me want to keep doing this podcast. So can you share that with our listeners and Doug? Um, Oh, of course. I was telling Drew that throughout the entire year, I I think I figured I I found you guys from Doug being on uh, Layover's podcast. And after that, I can't remember when that necessarily was, but I listened to it once for the last probably year, ever since February of last year, I, I've been listening to you guys every week. It's been my morning commute on Monday mornings. I save it because it covers me to get to work and also get to back. And it's something I start my week off with because it makes me happy. But when things got really rough, like when Doug would say, we're one week closer for this to be over, that was really important to me because like, again, uncertainty, you didn't know when this was going to be done. We didn't know when this, we didn't have any, we didn't know when we were going to get to the other side of the tunnel, really. Hearing that and also hearing you guys just talk about, you know, what's happening and also from your different experience levels, right? You guys are both farther along in the industry than I am. And, you know, it's really interesting hearing you guys' opinions and everything like that. And I just said, thank you to Drew. And I was just like, thank you guys for doing this because I know that not only me as a listener, but all of your listeners for the last year have probably really, really appreciated what you guys do. And it's inspired us to go uh, and either pursue aviation, but also for me, I want to start my own podcast Mm -hmm. off of listening to you and and give that feeling and that give that feeling to other people when, you know, they could say thank you to me one day for, you know, getting them into aviation and helping them through that. So again, thank you, Doug and Drew. And I know everyone else is going to say thank you too. So anyways, yeah. Yeah, John, that that really does mean a lot. And Drew and I have talked about this the last couple of weeks, just offline. What a difference a year makes. A it's year, crazy. One year ago, first part of April, we were yeah. all sitting in quarantine, watching the aviation industry fall apart. Yeah. Fast forward 365 days. We're talking about airlines hiring. We're talking about the economy yeah, picking so back crazy. up. At, t- today's Easter. I mean, my kids did an Easter egg hunt right before yeah. we came on. We mm-hmm. didn't do that last year. It's it's like things just finally feel, even though we're not out of the woods, it's not back to normal, yeah. that that one week closer, we are one year closer. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, we look at how far we've come just in the last year. And it's, well, it's even the CDC, which is very cautious, I is saying, that. hey, if you're vaccinated, go travel. The CDC Thank you. is saying and, that. Drew, notice how they said that a week after we mentioned that. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, I, they must be listening. Yeah, they must yeah. be listening. You know, <laughs> so, listen, not don't listen to us. Listen to the Centers for Disease Control. If you're vaccinated, yeah. it's safe to travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, John, for being on. We truly appreciate it. It's been so much fun. You're welcome to of come course. back wh- whenever you want. Just let us know, listeners. As, as John said, you can find them on Instagram at Juliet Delta Echo Bravo Romeo <laughs> X Ray or sorry Echo Yankee. <laughs> I messed it up. up. Yeah. Jada Bray. Check out his travel and airplane pictures and give him a follow. Awesome. Thanks again (laughs) for having me on guys. It's been a pleasure and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks, John. To our listeners, this is your show. So go on our website, nextstripnetwork.com and let us know what's on your mind. Um, And by the way, we'll have um, all the information on about John on the show notes and a link to his Instagram, which is awesome. You take great pictures, John. Follow us on Twitter on or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We're one week closer to this being over. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. 
Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. Yeah. I was going to go on a tangent and talk about the LD3s, how it was designed to accept, expect, accept the LD3s, but we would lose, like you say, 90% of our listeners like, immediately. <laughs>